Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about our favorite lands at the Disney theme parks across the U.S. Yeah, we are. Um, pretty excited to talk about this. I think that we might have some hot takes. I don't think we're going to agree with each other. I don't think so. Yeah, I think I think we'll, we'll disagree a little bit. But uh, yeah, it was uh, kind of fun to go through, at least for me, and really think about what actually are my favorite lands and why do I like them versus mm. one versus the other? Cause it's hard. It, it's, it's also hard to pick through it. It's also kind of fun to like think about them against each other since some of them aren't on in, you know, the same part. They're not in the same parks. They're across the nation. That's true. Some are in Disneyland, some are in Disney world. You can't really go to both of them in the same trip. So it is hard to compare them. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to touch on some Disney news. So last week we did our, 50th anniversary preview and Angel you mentioned at the end that you did not see much in terms of new food offerings <laughs> and I think Disney must have heard that and you know they quickly said what do we have new <laughs> Angela's ups- upset that we don't have new food items and they dropped 150 new menu items that are coming yep. out as part of the 50th. So I think they came up with these all overnight when they, they heard you say something. It was all me. Um, everyone can thank me for this and had nothing. I mean, 150 overnight. Yeah. yeah I mean, they, that's not hard. They right? were not planning this nah, in any way at all. But, but yeah, so 150 new food items that are going to be out throughout the park. Um, you can check out the Disney Parks blog if you want to read the whole list. Um, but there are a few of them I know that I'm particularly excited to try. One of them is the Mickey Bar, which <laughs> really isn't new, but it has a new <laughs> 50th uh, anniversary wrapper. So I'm very excited about that for some reason. But there's also one that is a, a Mickey Bar that's then dipped in like a, a raspberry chocolate uh, in the ears, uh, which looks good. And also, I'm really looking it's forward... It's blue raspberry. Blue They're raspberry. different. I looked okay. this up. Right. Yeah. But I'm also looking forward to trying the iridescent croissant donut over at the yes. Epcot experience. That looks very delicious as well. A lot of stuff is chocolate. Uh, Angela, I know you looked at this list pretty extensively. Um, so I'll, I will uh, cede the floor to you here <laughs> on the items to try. But a lot of the stuff that at least sounds good to me is basically chocolate based items. Right, right. Well, you know, as as a as a wise man once said, I eat with my eyes. So you know, some <laughs> a lot of the food looks really good. Like I said, that, yeah, I that say, donut, with, that with donut pictures. looks really good because it, it, it's that iridescent. They got like that purple blue kind of coloring. To right, it. It looks, right. Looks really good. But the thing that really is stick sticking out to me right now is at Tiffin's. There's a 50th celebration chocolate gateau. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but they talk about it all the time on British Bake Off. And uh, chocolate gato. Must be good if it's on the bake. Yeah, yep. So I'm very excited to try that. There's a thing that looks like the house that uh, SpongeBob SquarePants lives in. So I don't know exactly how that works. It looks pretty, pretty awesome. I think it's shimmer pineapple mousse. That's pretty fun. Like almost a new take on Dole Whip. At La Cellier, there's a chocolate mousse bar, which also sounds quite delicious. And I always look for reasons to head on over to there. And there is this really cute, and I have a problem with it, but a really cute chocolate pignata. It's over at Disney Springs, yeah. and it actually comes with like a little hammer that you can break open and it's, and kind of crack it open in, inside. But I think it has bacon in it, yeah, so it has, it's not I mean, vegetarian friendly. Yeah, yeah. This chocolate pig, pignata looks very good, but there is bacon in it, so I don't think that I'm going to be partaking in it, but it is very cute. So, yeah, I think that overall... Oh, there's also banana split. Nothing about the banana split looks, you know, revolutionary. It just looks good. 
And I think I haven't had a banana split split in a long time. Yeah, so there's a a lot of good stuff uh, in terms of desserts. They also have some food. I think there's like Walt's chili fries, Mm -hmm. I think. There's a a couple of Walt items. I think there's a steak uh, somewhere uh, named after Walt as well. There's Uh, hot wings. Yeah, so there's a lot of, you know, not just desserts, but, but food offerings as well. And again, it's throughout all of the parks at Disney Springs, some of the different hotels. So, you know, head on over to the Disney Parks blog to see the full list of those 150 items. I, again, I got to give it up to the chefs over at Disney for coming up with something so quick mm. after they heard you complain yeah. that there's no food items. Yeah, over thank there. you so, very much. You know, I was I was upset and now I, I have something to look forward to. Yep. And then with the 50th anniversary kicking off uh, this past Friday, Disney had all sorts of media events. And so they announced uh, a lot of uh, additional items uh, that were coming out. So we got word that there is a new Magic Band. It's going to be called Magic Band Plus, um, which was kind of a surprise to me and I think to a lot of people because last year, you know, Disney announced that they're no longer going to be giving out free Magic Bands to resort guests. All that functionality was going to go on your phone. And I think a lot of people thought the days of the Magic Band were numbered because you could kind of do everything on your phone and you wouldn't need a Magic Band anymore. But it turns out Disney was just working on a, a second version of it, and it's called Magic Band Plus. They're going to be on sale starting next year, and they have additional functionality that helps you interact with the park. So there's kind of two things about them. One, the center puck now has images on them, which is nice. So they're not just like a plain puck. Like I've seen somewhere, it's the Walt and Mickey statue mm-hmm. or the castle. And then they also have like an LED light. Uh, around the puck in the middle that then lights up. So this is how you will interact with the character statue. So this was one of the things I brought up last week as well, talking about we hadn't heard anything on how you'll actually be able to interact with the f- the 50th statues right. that are around. So it's going to be with these new magic bands. They're also going to light up as part of the new fireworks shows. And it sounds like there will be some functionality within Galaxy's Edge. So I think this kind of goes back to when Galaxy's Edge originally came out and they said, you know, you'll be able to kind of partake in the story a little bit and your actions will follow you. It seems like some of that functionality is going to be tied into these new Magic Band pluses. I also think this will kind of come into play with the Galactic Star Cruiser probably storyline as well. So they, they look good. They have some cool functionality. I'm pretty excited about them. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to doing a trip next year so I can purchase them because they're not going to be available until 2022. But yeah, kind of surprising that they're creating a whole new version of Magic Band here that's going to have some more interactivity. So it's going to kind of drive people to get Magic Bands because you're not going to be able to get that on your phone. You know, the one thing, though, I do wish they would do with Magic Bands, and they still haven't done it yet, is make that leap from... This is something you only wear in the Disney parks too. This is a fashion accessory that you want to wear all the time. I want one of these as a bracelet that I actually want to wear out and about in my regular real life. Um, And then whenever I wear to the park, it has additional functionality because I think that there is something there and I would be willing to pay a lot more money if they made it something that I would want to wear all the time. Don't let them hear you say that you pay more money for anything. Exactly. That's a bad, bad thing. Don't let them hear you say that. But I I will say, I do think to your point on making something that you'd want to wear outside the parks. I do think these, these new magic bands are a step in that direction because again, you know, with the current ones, that puck is pretty plain and doesn't blend in to the actual band itself very much. And it just kind of has the Mickey ears. Whereas as these seem more integrated, like, like I said, there's pictures that then kind of tie into the band so that I think it would look more natural to wear 
outside of the parks per se. I, I don't know that they're necessarily to the point yet that you would want to, you know, wear them as a full fashion accessory, but I do think they are kind of more integrated fully across the board with the puck and the band. So it doesn't look, I think, as odd outside, but I'm really interested to see them and actually see how they work and, and fully interact in the parks. And speaking of interacting with the new fireworks shows, Disney did live stream the first show of Harmonious and Disney Enchantment, which both uh, premiered October 1st this past week. I will say seeing them on a live stream, I wasn't necessarily overly impressed with them. I kind of threw it out there on our Instagram uh, to have people vote on whether you know they liked the show or they didn't like the show. And it actually was about like 70-30 people enjoying the new shows um, versus disliking them. So I think, you know, seeing it in a live stream uh, on the internet versus in person is probably going to have a much different effect, but I really necessarily wasn't blown away by enchantment or harmonious, but I'm going to reserve full judgment and full review until we see them in person. I will say though, the Disney harmonious show is already in its B mode because the center barge uh, was not working on the second day. And they're also having trouble with kite tails, yep. which does seem to be the laughing stock of the internet at this point. Um, <laughs> it actually was closed yesterday because some of the kites flew into trees and I think got ripped. Um, so they're kind of having all sorts of problems over at kite tails and maybe some problems with harmonious. But like I said, uh, it seems like a lot of people are enjoying the, the new fireworks shows. Look forward to seeing them in person uh, and really seeing, again, if it was just a live stream issue or if how it connects. But it, it didn't feel like a huge step up to me, at least just seeing it on, on the Internet. Yeah, my favorite was just kind of looking at, you know, there are a couple because it was the opening. There are a lot of the, you know, big Disney bloggers and um, the people, you know, uh, journalists going there. So I was, I've been kind of following Carly Wiesel and just seeing like her take on the car- the kite tails is hilarious because she's just like laughing and in the videos and well, it seems like a great show because you never know what's going to happen. The kites right. may fly perfectly, they may crash into the into the stage. Like it, you never know what you're going to get with those kites. But I really do wonder though with kite tails specifically how long this lasts because if they are already running into issues with the kites tearing or they're running into problems if it's too windy they can't run the show. I do worry, like, does this make it into next year? Like, is this something like if you don't go and see this now, you're never going to see it? Because I could see Disney pulling the plug pretty quickly on this one. I have a feeling that the kite's tail will be relatively short. All right. And then Disney also announced that the Galactic Star Cruiser's first voyage will be taking place March 1st, and you'll be able to book the voyages October 28th. But it does sound like there will be an opportunity to book sooner than that for some annual pass holders and DVC members. Um, so no word yet on the pricing of that first voyage uh, on March 1st, but they will be starting March 1st. And with that, they also released a few pictures of the bridge. <laughs> which I will say personally, I was underwhelmed by. It looked more Star Trek to me right. than Star Wars. And it looked like kind of like what they have in Millennium Falcon, where you just have a bunch of buttons and you have some joysticks to control. And it's much more, hey, just push up, push this joystick up, push it down. And it's really not like a full interactive um, you know, experience like the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, it kind of feels like you're flying, but you know, in the end, you're you're kind of just you know moving a joystick or hitting a button, and it, it kind of felt like that. But it did not even look almost as a high quality as is in the Millennium Falcon cockpit. It it really didn't feel uh, kind of like Star Wars, which 
concerns me a little bit for the rest of the hotel experience because if this is kind of the promotional material that you have. You would think you'd want to show something that really like blows people away. I will say the screens on the bridge look cool with the ships uh, and the planet behind you. Um, but I, I will be interested to see kind of what that initial pricing is and what the first reviews are over the first you know couple months uh, of voyages of how well that gameplay and really living in those characters works. The photos they released didn't make it look like it was that high of a quality right yeah especially for something that's going to cost at least forty eight hundred dollars you pretty much hit all the points that i was thinking it's more star trekian than it is star warsian it looked like you'd see captain kirk standing there instead of you know han solo or anybody else from star wars it felt it felt very cheap and plasticky like a child's play set it just didn't look high quality you know Whenever you think of Star Wars Land, one of the things that does stand out to me is, you know, like your lightsaber. And your lightsaber lo- both looks and feels like a real lightsaber. And I felt like in that picture, you didn't see the weight. You didn't see the the finishes that makes it make it look like they have brought that fictional place to life. It looked like they brought a fictional place to fiction. So I, I think that... You know, I don't know if it's a bad picture or what, but I think they need to do some reimagining on this or bump up the amount of money they're spending on it because it didn't didn't look that great. Yeah, I will be interested to see, like I said, once more pictures come out and, and once some people are in there, because it's really going to be all about the, the gameplay and the experience anyways, that you know, if it's so immersive, you may forgive if some of the scenery and things aren't quite at the level they need to be. But I know it's it's going to be a hard sell to have people pay at least, you know, $5,000 because again, that that's kind of sample pricing was for like a weekday at a slow period. You know, I think these initial cruises, these initial voyages are going to be much more than that. And so it's going to be very difficult if people are paying that kind of money and everything's not perfect. I think you're going to get a lot of bad reviews um, right. from people because they're just not going to be happy at the quality. So I'm interested to see what happens if there's other pieces of this that really blow people away. Because again, the bridge and, and that kind of part of it is one small piece of this entire voyage. And so again, if if maybe that doesn't hit as well, but everything else kind of blows you away, you may not care. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It, it does concern me though, that that is the first thing that they show you and you think they'd show you the best and that didn't look very good. Yeah, I, I agree with that. All right, so let's jump into our main topic this week, power ranking the lands at the different Disney theme parks. Some of the main lands, and these are the ones we're, we're kind of using as our list, are uh, Pandora, Galaxy's Edge, Toy Story Land uh, at Hollywood Studios, Cars Land, Avengers Campus, and Pixar Pier. Uh, so these are kind of the newer more immersive lands that Disney's built. Yes, there's Fantasyland and Tomorrowland and stuff, but you know that's kind of just part of the theme park. So we're looking at these the kind of newer. These are Disney park lands that are around IP. Yeah, around IP, but also kind of this new level of immersion that kind of started after Universal got Harry Potter and they made Hogsmeade. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of just completely changed the way theme park lands are designed. So the earliest one is Cars Land, which opened over at DCA in 2012. And then the rest of them are all relatively recent. So Pandora opened at Animal Kingdom in 2017. Toy Story Land over at Hollywood Studios in 2018. The Pixar Pier redesign opened uh, Disney California Adventure in 2018 as well. 
Then you got Galaxy's Edge at both Disneyland and Hollywood Studios in 2019. And the most recent one, Avengers Campus at DCA in 2021. Um, so yeah, again, it's just a different level of immersion. It's built around IP. You know, the whole idea of you need a restaurant and you need a show and you need an attraction <laughs> and you need to you know feel like you're in this world um, kind of level of detail. So kind of touch on one that we think has the best attractions, food, atmosphere, and then kind of our favorites overall. So let's start with best attractions. So which of these lands, Angela, do you think has the best attractions in it? I I feel very conflicted about most of what I'm going to say today, but I think the best attraction is at Pandora. Um, You know, I still think that Flight of Passage is my favorite ride in any of the Disney parks. I think it's really immersive. I like the fact that it plays on multiple of your senses. You know, it's multi-sensory where you have, you know, that feeling your your sense of touch is very much messed with with the breathing banshee and then your your sight, you know, you're seeing everything and it's kind of, you know, you're in, immersed in this world and also they have that olfactory part where they blow sense at you. So I do think that it feels to me like the most well thought out. And then even whenever you think about Navi River Journey, you know, it's not like that great of a ride, but I ride that ride because there is something about it that is magical. You know, the fact that all these animals are going to this one being and then that animatronic is so impressive. Every time we get into the room with the shaman of songs, I am like sitting forward to try to see her as early as I possibly can and then like leaning backward to watch her for as long as I can when we get out of that room because she is so impressive how just in size and scale and just everything that she can do. So I think that for me, it's Pandora. What about you? Yeah, I think all of these lands have a great main attraction. So like you mentioned, you know, Flight of Passage is incredible. You have the Incredicoaster, Radiator Springs Racers, Web Slingers. They're all top tier attractions. Galaxy's Edge has Rise of the Resistance. They're all great attractions. I think what my my problem is then with a lot of the lands is that they're like second tier attractions mm-hmm. aren't as great. They severely drop off. Right. And and a lot of these rides are all similar to other attractions that we have. So I'll agree with you, you know, Flight of Passage is an incredible ride. It is one of my favorite attractions as well. To kind of nitpick it a little bit though, it's not as seamless as it could be. You definitely can yes. look around and it breaks the illusion. Right. It's, it's very much like Soarin' uh, as well. So it's kind of a, a copy of another attraction to uh, an insane level. I mean, it's much better <laughs> than Soaring, but you can get taken out of the illusion of it. I would actually say that Navi River Journey does a better job of a seamless integration. The, the set pieces and the props blend in seamlessly with the screens, and you can't really tell that there are screens there. And I think it actually, well, it's not a, you know, it's just a boat ride. I actually think it does a better job of not taking you out of the illusion. Um, whereas Flight of Passage, it's kind of easy to get broken out of the illusion. One thing I forgot to mention, Navi River Journey, my favorite part of that ride besides the the, Sham, the Shaman of Songs is the frogs on the leaves above your head that jump, jump around. I mean, that feels very much like you are in a rainforest, but they're not quite frogs. It feels very realistic and I like the shadows and how they move. So yeah, I just think that, the, yeah, you're right. The level of detail that they went into in that ride, you do feel fully immersed. Right. The problem is it's just, it's a short ride. There's and not, it's a boat ride. Yeah, there's not really much going on. So that I think that's my issue with a lot of the lands when I'm looking at, okay, which one is the best is that, you know, the top tier attractions are great, but then 
there's not really necessarily either a great second attraction or the rides are very similar to other rides. So, you know, Web Slingers is kind of like Toy Story Mania. You know, Pixar Pier has Toy Story Mania, but so does Toy Story Land. So, again, it's basically the same ride there. So, I'm actually going to go with Galaxy's Edge as the best attraction because Rise of the Resistance is on a level all on its own. It keeps you immersed in it the whole time. It is multiple rides in one. You know, Disney did some, you know, insane things there where you get on a ship and you exit the ship on the same side. So it actually seems like you are, you know, entering and, and exiting the same craft. Whereas, you know, a lot of times in attractions, you, you know, you'd enter through, you'd exit through the other door. And so it's kind of like, oh, well, obviously I just went out the other way. And, and so the, the level of detail they thought to that is incredible. But I would also say that Smuggler's Run, I think, is a better and more unique second attraction than any of the other lands have. Because, yes, it is a simulator ride, but I feel like it, it's better done and it's more unique. You don't see... Disney doesn't have a simulator ride like that where you are actually controlling what is happening on screen. And so I think it's just, that gives it the edge for me. And then also I'm counting the lightsaber experience as an attraction because it is. Experiences are attractions uh, unto themselves. And that is the best theme park experience you can have. And so I think that package of those three gives Galaxy's Edge the edge there you go, <laughs> pun intended, for me in terms of best attractions. Okay, that's fair. So another thing that we are going to look at is the best food. I feel like, you know, um, a broken record here, but if I look at, we look at some of these places, um, Galaxy's Edge has Ronto Roasters and Oga's Cantina. Oga's is, in, I think, severe need of some more food. I understand that they are a drink establishment. That's the problem with Oga's. It, it's yeah. incredibly detailed, but they're, it's just drinks. There's right. no actual food there. So, you know, as somebody who, uh, you know, I, I didn't really quite know what to order. I think I got the, what, the, the fuzzy tauntaun. Um, I didn't love it. Uh, and then there was the appetizer there. I, I tried it. It was okay. Um, there needs to be more apps there, I think, because I think they can make a little bit more money from that. So Toy Story Land doesn't have really anything too impressive. Cars Land does have the cones. Um, I do enjoy. I enjoyed the the novelty of being able to have macaroni and cheese out of a cone. But I will say I wasn't. You know, as much as I wanted to try that, when I did try it, I wasn't overly impressed by it. Avengers, you know, wasn't. The food wasn't that great at Pim's and Pixar Pier. Pixar Pier did have some interesting things. I enjoyed the Pixar, the the adorable snowman, but I, I have to go back to Pandora. Sully Canteen to me is the best eating establishment, one of the best in the parks and definitely the best quick serve anywhere because you can customize it to your own taste. So you're feeling like eating chicken that day. You can eat chicken if you want you know, a bowl with salad that you can have that if you want noodles, you know, so I just think I like the flexibility of picking my own food. And I th I've always enjoyed the tastes and flavors from Sully Canteen. And it's really close to it's not that far away from Nomad Lounge, which I know it's not in Pandora, but that's where you get the good churros. I, I think for me, the food was the most difficult one to to really rank because I do feel like while Dizzy does have some good restaurants this almost is i feel like the area that's kind of like the afterthought because really you can go detailed but it also has to be able to serve thousands and thousands of people an hour and so it's hard to have 
an incredibly detailed restaurant with, you know, a, a very, you know, specific and incredible menu, but then also be a quick service restaurant that 20,000 people can come to in a day, you know? So it's, it, it is difficult to kind of have that balance. I will agree with you. I think Pandora has the best individual restaurant out of all of these lands, but that's really the only place you can eat in Pandora. Yes. And that's the other thing. A lot of these lands are just very limited in terms of the food options. You have Pim's Test Kitchen at Avengers Campus, which I think was was decent. The food's okay. It's it's more built around, hey, look, this food's giant or this food's really small. Yeah, I think you know, the best thing we had was the pretzel. And I was, I mean, no offense against pretzels, but pretzels are kind of pretzels. I agree with that. Like the pretzel was one of the best things we had. And it really was just kind of your regular theme park food. Again, it's just, it was interesting because it was, oh, it's a tiny egg instead of a regular sized egg, you know, or it's a giant pretzel instead of a regular sized pretzel, even though the pretzel was good. And you kind of, you know, you talked about Ogas, like we talked about, it's detailed, but there's no real food. I honestly think Pixar Pier probably is the best for food because it has a variety of options and they're all really solid. So again, where Pandora has one great restaurant, that's basically it. Whereas at uh, Pixar Pier, you have the Lamplight Lounge, you have the adorable Snowman, which which has you know ice cream and frozen treats. There's uh, Senor Buzz's churros, so you can get churros there. You have Angry Dogs, which is hot dogs. I mean, it's it's theme park food, but it's at least kind of themed to uh, Inside Out and anger. So that to me has kind of the widest variety of options. And it has the most establishments there. And I think they're all very solid establishments. And I don't necessarily think these other lands have anything so outstanding that it would right. put them over the top. Like you mentioned, you know, Cars Land is great. I mean, it, it, the cozy cone, it ties in very well to the movies. But again, I mean, are any of these so outstanding that it's going to say, hey, put one over the other? So I would say if you're looking for a place to eat, and again, you're, you know, you're coming at this, okay, you maybe have a family, you're going to have different uh, tastes uh, and flavor profiles, so you're going to need to maybe feed a variety of people. Pixar Pier is probably your best option because you have a variety of food options, you have some dessert options. That's probably your best place to go out of all or, these lands. Or, or we could do it like this. Pixar Pier, West Coast, Pandora, East Coast, because you're never going to be able to pit them up against each other you know, on the same trip. So I think, I think that's how we do it. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. And then in terms of atmosphere, so just like the general experience of the land, again, this is interesting. And, and this is almost why I kind of started thinking about this because when we went to Disneyland recently, and if you've not listened to that trip recap, uh, go back and check that out. But, you know, we we're in Avengers Campus for the first time and it kind of got me thinking about how each of these lands has a different approach to things like Avengers campus is really built on atmosphere. Like we mentioned the food, it's okay, but it's nothing special. The attractions are good. You know, web slingers is a decent attraction. Mission breakout was already there. It's a great attraction, but it's not new, but they really built Avengers campus around the characters and the shows. Whereas galaxy's edge, maybe the, you know, the atmosphere, it's not, as pleasing to look at type thing, but that's definitely <laughs> built more around the attractions. It has a lot more merch in it. You know, Avengers campus has like no merch options. It's in pitiful. it. You know, cars land is the one that's, I think most detailed and true to the movie and really makes it feel like you are in that world. And I think Pandora does that as well. 
Um, so it, it's just it's interesting the different paths they take uh, in order to kind of define these lands. To me, I love Pandora. I think being in Pandora is the best land to be in. I think Cars Land is probably second to me just because it is so incredibly detailed. And there's something about that that really just does make you feel like you are in that movie. And and Pandora, I think why I love Pandora so much is you have the water and the greenery and the floating mountains. And, and you feel like you're in that world and it, it does just feel like you're kind of on a separate planet when you walk in there. I think the only thing Pandora could do better is they could have Navi walking around. If they yeah. could figure out how to have Navi walking around, I think that would make it great. Because Cars Land, you have the characters come out and you have that meet and greet, which which adds to it. If Pandora could do that, it would just put it over the top even more. But for me, that's probably my favorite land just to spend time in. And just to walk around and really enjoy the atmosphere. So for me, that's the top land in terms of atmosphere. How about you? I, I think that for me, automatically, the top two, just to kind of cut to the chase, are Pandora and Avengers Campus. I think that, again, Star Wars is, you have the marketplace, and but to me, that's not a place. It's more built like a city, and I don't really enjoy personally, like, being in the city i enjoy nature um although i will say avengers campus is also kind of like a city yeah, I mean, it's new york it's basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah but um you know i love pandora i love the floating mountains as you mentioned i love everything about it i love how it changes at night how it glows um at night i love how whenever you walk from one section of the park to uh into pandora the sound slowly changes into the sounds of pandora yeah that's actually a good point Pandora is probably the only land that has a completely different experience at night as it does during the day. Because you're right, at night they have uh, so much of the neon uh, and fluorescence in there that when that gets lit up with kind of the black light and everything, it looks completely different. Yes, every land looks great at night lit up, but it, it, it really changes how you experience it. I kind of yeah. didn't even think of yeah. that. The, because, you know, I mean, and it's true to the movie because there's that bioluminescent quality to Pandora. Again, like I, I don't, I, I didn't love the Avatar movies. I think they did such a great job of rendering Pandora into Animal Kingdom that it's hard to beat. Now, my one issue with Pandora, um, and this is why I don't know if I want to give it a hundred, like the clear winner, you know, give it that blue ribbon, is that I have noticed over the years in the Florida sun, a lot of the foliage and a lot of the things that aren't real there have actually faded. Um, the colors aren't as bright as they were whenever the land was built. And I do think that that is something that they are going to have to address. And I think it's going to be hard to address because it's expensive. But yeah, I do think that adding that fresh coat of paint and stuff, they need to start doing that more often because it isn't looking as as good as it did initially. Avengers Campus, now I think that they're apples and oranges because there's the architectural success of Pandora. And then when you look at Avengers Campus, Avengers Campus in some ways is what galaxy's edge should be um you know galaxy's edge doesn't have very much going on their characters there's it's devoid of characters most of the time avengers campus is popping there's constantly shows going on you have the spider-man show you have um the dora milaji coming out you have the the people on the building you know depending on what's going on and they seem to be changing it which is also something that i think is worth mentioning you know depending on what movie is out, you know, now they have Shang-Chi out. Yeah, it's so, basically alive. I mean, they, they built a land that's kind of a, a living land. And that, that's a good point. Um, and actually, it, 
uh, something I wasn't thinking about, and it is a good plus for Avengers Campus, where a lot of these lands are very much one point in time. They're stagnant. They're stationary. Whereas, yes, Avengers Campus is just constantly evolving and changing. Um, you're right that they can bring in these new characters depending on what movies they're doing or what shows they have on Disney Plus, just to kind of keep it fresh. My problem is I think that they use that as a crutch. Yeah. That, that then they didn't put as much time into the some, some of the, of the other details. stuff of the land. It's like we're just gonna get people coming here because they want to see the newest superhero or the newest villain, and not like let's really blow them away in terms of attractions and, and merchandise integration and food and everything like that. Yeah, I, I just do think too, though. Again, you know, now I'm gonna make the argument where it isn't all. It, it is almost not a fair comparison, though, to go because anytime you're in a city, it's not going to be as visually interesting as a lush landscape of like Pandora. Um, you know, but they you, they did bring in some really cool things like the Miles Morales mural that is is on Web Slingers or on the side of, I don't know if it's on Web Slingers. Yeah, that is on the side of Web Slingers. So they did put those details in. If you go through the line, the queue in Web Slingers, I mean, that's one of the best done queues. I I enjoyed reading the little bios and like the funny things, how like how Peter is is hopped up on ca- caffeine and then you see the video and it seems like he's hopped up on caffeine. So I do think that they did a good job with those. They're just not as exciting details as the ones in Pandora. So just for sake of argument, I'm going to go with Avengers Campus on overall atmosphere, but I'm going to do it because the show's not necessarily because of I enjoy being there more than I enjoy being in Pandora. Okay, good. And the shows are part of the atmosphere. I mean, you're right. right. I mean, Avengers Campus, I mean, that really is the crown jewel. It's just the interactions you can have and seeing your favorite heroes there. Also, I don't want to say Pandora for every single one. Okay. <laughs> All right. So now just overall rankings. Like, what order would you put these lands in? Um, so I think that my top land, I mean, I... I have to say is Pandora. I think Pandora is just really a pretty well-rounded land. The only thing that I, I hope for it is that maybe future pan like movies are more alluring to me. I didn't, that movie doesn't really stick in my brain. I kind of see it as a crutch to whenever they hopefully build Zootopia, they could really blow Zootopia out of the water because of what they've done with Pandora. Uh, My second favorite land is Avengers campus. I enjoyed this web slingers. I enjoyed, I do, you know, PIMS is cool. Like it is a cool atmosphere in PIMS, but the food was meh. that Spider-Man animatronic. I, it gets me every time. And the shows were amazing. Then my next favorite would be Pixar pier. I loved Pixar pier. Actually. I think that it has a really good atmosphere. I like the carnival feel to it there. Um, I liked the colors. I liked the tie to all of the different Pixar properties. You know, it was good to go in the shops where you have um, Bing Bong. Uh, I enjoyed seeing all of that. So I thought that was a lot of fun. Then my next favorite is Cars Land um, because, yeah, you're right. You know, you mentioned how the atmosphere is really well developed. It does feel like you're inside the movie and it does make Cars, even though I don't really like the movie Cars, it makes me like it a little bit more. So I think there's something to be said there. Then my number five land is Galaxy's Edge. It is really, it's a fun land. It's very monochromatic. And I just, I I struggle a little bit with it. Um, It still is impressive. It's just not a place that I particularly, it it particularly appeals to me. And then my last land is Toy Story Land. Um, I don't, 
I, I loved Toy Story Land whenever it was first built, but I have found that after, you know, going a few times, it has kind of lost a little bit of that excitement for me. I still feel like I could feel smaller in that land. I want to feel smaller in that land, so I feel like I'm a toy. I do like some of the details. I think that maybe it could have been more well executed. I don't really love Slinky Dog Dog Dash as much as I would like to. So, yeah. What about you? Yeah, I think for me, you know, just kind of touching on Toy Story Land real quick because haven't really talked about it much in terms mm-hmm. of these rankings. And I feel like for me, it's kind of like middle of the road. Like in every category, it's like a solid land, everything. Like it, there's nothing in it that really jumps out at me and goes, this is just absolutely incredible. And it, it's very, but it's very middle of the road. I enjoy Slinky Dog Dash. Like I think it has. Slinky Dog Dash is a great attraction. You know, Toy Story Mania, a lot of places have that. So I think that's why I said, hey, that's kind of like a knock because it's not like it's unique to that land. And you have Alien Swirling Saucer. Which I do like, even though that's not a unique ride. That's a fun ride. No, it is a fun ride. So I think it has, you know, it has one of the lands has three attractions in it, three solid attractions. I do think it, it is pretty well themed, even though it's maybe, it's generic theming in the fact that it's like, toys you know if that makes sense (laughs) like it's it's very well done but because it's something common like connects and tinker toys and stuff it seems kind of more generic than something like a pandora or a galaxy's edge that is otherworldly right you know and so it 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 does kind of just like fly under the radar a bit it's almost like the contestant in the reality show that just does (laughs) that just does like decent and somehow makes it to the end of the show and you're like how do they do that it's just because they like they did good enough and just flew under the radar yeah. and i feel like for me that's like what toy story land is so uh, i have that one kind of middle of the pack but my overall favorite uh, so definitely number one would be pandora for me um just good in terms just in terms of the atmosphere it does have a great restaurant in sully canteen it does have a great attraction in flight of passage a navi river journey is a I solid promise, attraction i promise we don't get paid by sully canteen to sing their praises it's, good. it's a good it's a good place <laughs> to eat uh galaxy's edge is second for me again i think it has the best attractions i do think it has great atmosphere i think it does a good job integrating merch in a very unique an authentic way. That's a good point. And I also think it has, again, with the lightsaber experience, is the best kind of experience you can have in a theme park. So However, for me, for me, that if it was just a little bit more interesting to be in, I think I'd put it above Pandora. So for me, it's second. However, I would say that I we should knock it because the droid experience is not as good as it should be. Just get rid of the droid experience. I yeah, don't the it. droid experience was something that, yeah, after watching you do yours, I think that it could definitely have been stepped up um, and been a little bit more special. And so it just, it just didn't. Yeah, you don't need it. It doesn't yeah. matter. Just get rid of it. It still does nothing. If you get rid of it, it doesn't change my opinion about the land at all. <laughs> Because I'm not even factoring that in. All right, my third one is Cars Land. Again, I think that does an incredible job of making you feel like you're in the movie. Radiator Springs Racers is an incredible attraction. I really wish they would bring that uh, to Disney World. I actually talked about that in our episode uh, a while ago on reimagining Hollywood Studios. If you haven't listened to that one, go check that out where we kind of, from the ground up, rebuilt Hollywood Studios. And I talked about bringing a whole Pixar land and bringing Radiator Springs Racers to Hollywood Studios. I think that attraction is great. I love the character meet and greets they have there. I like how they integrate the restaurants uh, in with the properties. I think that does really well. This is so difficult because like I, I feel like as I'm ranking these lands – 
You're fi- you're picking your favorite child. Yeah, and I feel like okay. You know, so now my next one's Toy Story Land, and, and kind of like I mentioned, Toy Story Land's kind of middle of the pack for me, so it's fourth. That kind of makes sense. Well, this but, is crazy. You haven't mentioned Pixar Pier. Yeah, so I go, so I go Avengers Campus. Campus. Yeah, so I go Avengers Campus five, and that's what like I feel bad because it's not. So you have my two and three down at your bottom. Yeah, so I feel like I'm saying that Avengers Campus and Pixar Pier are bad lands. So as I was going through this list, I'm like, okay, obviously you have Pandora up top. I have Galaxy's Edge. I love Cars Land. Those are kind of like my top three. And then I started naming these other ones. I'm like, I feel like bad that I have Avengers Campus and Pixar Pier so low because it makes it seem like I hate them and that I think they're terrible lands. And I'm like, should I make them one and two? But I was like, no, then I can't make Pandora that low and Galaxy's <laughs> Edge because then it would seem like I don't like those lands. So I really feel like you can't go wrong with any of these lands. Um, but just for me, that's kind of my order. So I have Avengers Campus at five. And again, I think it's a solid land. I think it, it struggles because it's not as big as some of these other lands. So there's not... Yeah as much to do there and i do think they lean a little heavily on the characters and then pixar pier it is an incredible land there's a lot to do there in terms of the shops they have the skill games they have a lot of attractions i do think they have great food offerings there i think my problem with that is it's kind of a retheme of an old land and it's still a bit generic so it's kind of based on you know it's the old paradise pier it's kind of a boardwalk style there's really nothing about about it that necessarily screams Pixar, except for the fact that everything there is themed to Pixar. <laughs> you know, there's why would Pixar be on a boardwalk? That really doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. So for me, I think it's it's has a lot of good features about it, but as a land, it's not like a place I'm clamoring to go to. So in this list, it's bottom of the list for me. That makes a lot of sense. I, I, I think that they could do so much more with it. And you're right. They did retrofit everything for it. So I can see that. I think this is a really interesting, you know, conversation. I think it was really difficult and nuanced. So I would be really interested to hear what our listeners have to say about this. So head on over to our Facebook page, Enchanted Ears, and let us know what you think. Yeah, definitely. We'd we'd love to hear your thoughts on this. We want to thank everybody again for listening this week. If you've not done so, please leave us a rating or a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps and we really appreciate it. Thanks for lending us your ears. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.